Uh, today we're going to explore a great mystery. How many like mysteries? So many people like mysteries. I mean, it's going to be one of those things that actually was hidden from the beginning of time until the New Testament days. And so uh, God put together this mysterious gathering of people who shared an incredible future and an incredible now for them. And it was different and unique among all people groups ever had, uh, ever that have been. It's radical. It was off the wall. It was improbable. It was powerful. It was a group like no other time in human history. And we're going to talk about this diverse group that was loaded with wisdom and capabilities, but different from anything else. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this uh, great day that we've had, just to honor your name, to lift your name high, to recognize you for, for being the creator and the sustainer of life, for being the powerful intervener in all that we do and all that we come across, God, you are still God. You are amazing. And so I thank you, Father, that as we gather today and we break open your scripture. Lord, I ask that you will break open new understanding in our thinking that has maybe eluded us in times past. Father, that you would open our eyes to see what you put in front of us, but maybe we just haven't gotten it. God, help us to connect the dots today. We just thank you for your amazing grace, for your amazing goodness, and we bless you in the name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Well, today the focus is going to be in the book of Ephesians, and I've kind of titled this uh, God's Mysterious Gathering of People. And so as a backdrop uh, for this, uh, you know, I just wanted to say this church in Ephesus was different than other churches in many ways. It was in what we call modern-day Turkey. Um, it was a collection point of people from all over the world. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. If you don't know what a Gentile is, it's a non-Jew. Um, it's everybody else, which is us. And so it was this collection of people that were diverse. They had different ages. They had different races. They came from different nations. They all collected in this area. And Paul was reflecting on this. Now, Forget the fact that he's in prison and he's kind of under guard 24-7, but they allowed him to write letters and to get those letters out to places he's been and spent about two years in Ephesus, and so they were near and dear to his heart. And so he wanted to write to these people um, and kind of tell them some things that were on his heart and talk to them about who they were in this great melting pot of people. And so... Paul pins this letter to the Ephesians, and it is uh, kind of a cool letter. We call it a book. Uh, the first three chapters, he talks about who we are in Christ. What's your identity in Christ? You know what it was without Christ. What your identity is in Christ. And then the last three chapters, he talks about, so then how should we live? If this is who we are, then how should we live? And so it's a really cool book, and if you haven't gotten into it and really 
spend some time. I think you'll just really enjoy it. Um, so our focus today is going to be in chapter 3, but before we get there, I want to just give you a little context. You know, um, the Old Testament is loaded with so many promises, you know, so many things about what you can expect. And so it talks about, you know, the goodness of God. And it's in Psalms 1, you know, it says, Blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the Lord, and on his law they med- he meditates day and night. And I could go on, but the point is there's so much cool stuff there. And then we could look at things like uh, where there's promises, even to a nation. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that says, if my people who are called by my name, he talks to you, if they're called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways, he's going to respond to us. And so loaded promise after promise in the Old Testament. How many of you love the promises in the Old Testament where he's faithful? Well, guess what? They weren't for you. You're Gentiles, you're non-Jews. They weren't for you. Problem. Now, before you kick me off this platform and take me outside, uh, I guess I should give you the rest of the story for those of you that are old enough to hear the name Paul Harvey. And now the rest of the story. So there were all these great promises, but they weren't for you. They were for the Jewish people not for the Gentiles. And so now with that, let's talk about what cool thing happened that was never revealed in all of time until the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, and then boom, let's see what happens. And we'll get a running start in, I know I said uh, the third chapter, we're going to get a running start in the second chapter of Ephesians Start with chapter 8. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift from God. Not of work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore remember that you formally... You were Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. That's why you couldn't enjoy the promises. And foreigners to the covenants of the promise. All that cool stuff. You're foreigners. You're not related. You're not part of. Without hope. Can you imagine that? And without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And there was hostility between the two groups. 
by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And so we see this mysterious new group of people that was brand new to planet Earth. We see these Jewish people, God's chosen people. What do you mean they're God's chosen people? He can do whatever he wants. He's the inventor of humanity, the inventor of the world. He's, you know, when you play a board game or a sport, you know, you got to follow the rules. Somebody invented the rules, and if you want to play, you got to follow the rules. He's the rule maker. And so he called the Jewish people his people. And we weren't. And at one point in history, he sent his son into the world to die for all humanity, Jews and Gentiles. And at this point, everything changed. The barrier came down. In fact, if you remember when Jesus died on the cross, it said that the curtain, which was 20 feet wide, I'm sorry, 20 feet tall, it was huge. And it was about six inches thick. It was like, it took like 200 men to move it. I don't mean to open it, but I mean to pick it up and move it. And so it was heavy, but it split from top to bottom. The barrier was open. We Gentiles had a way to get connected to God we've never had before. And therefore, connected to the promises that God gave. Cool stuff. Isn't that cool? All right, so Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Let's start there. For this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, interesting, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. I'm here because of you. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's gift, of God's grace, excuse me, that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly, In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. I remember this before. I'm thinking, what's the big mystery of Christ? Well, the mystery of Christ is the two became one. The mystery of Christ, verse 5, which was not made known to people in other generations. As it has been made, as it been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets, this mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together in one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. This is radical stuff. This is like uh, never before revealed, talked about, and here he pops it out there and said, the two became one. And and so many times in our Christianity, we are um, uh, enamored, as we should be, with our personal salvation, that we personally can get connected 
to God. And that's so cool. But what's being exposed here today in this chapter is that not only did you get salvation for eternity's sake, but you got adopted into this family called Israel. You got grafted into the vine of the family of God. You got put in, and therefore, you can, because you're now in, you can enjoy the promises of God that have already been exposed in the first half of the book. They can be yours. They weren't yours. You could have been just saved, but you got grafted in also. And that is really, really cool if you let it get to you. Mystery. God made known something that was hidden from the beginning of time. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that he did this. And so as we look at this, we'll just, pay, just continue a little bit in verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel. I guess I could stop there for a second. I could ask myself and I could ask you, would you consider yourself a servant of the gospel? Or just a recipient of his grace, the goodness of God? I mean, that's so cool. You could stop there. But really, I think the call that God has for us is to be a servant to the gospel, the full gospel. By full, I mean it includes salvation, but it doesn't end there. We get all this other cool stuff and opportunity and power and things that we can walk with him in. That's so exciting. And so coming back again to verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. I mean, he did something and unleashed something on this planet that we get to enjoy. And that's not just personal salvation, but it's opportunity to serve and walk with him in everything that he shows, everything that he shows. And, when, and we've talked a, a lot about some of those elements in, in the past. So that's a tall order to be a servant. And, I, and so I just kind of put that out as a challenge. Do you consider that in your weekly life, you are being a servant to the gospel? No condemnation here. It's just good for, to reflect. Do I consider myself a servant to the gospel or just a recipient of his kindness and his grace and his love? Those are really good. But the good news is he enables us in what he calls you to do. Okay? So, so you, you might say, I don't know if I could pull this off. I mean, all the stuff that, you're, that is implied in being a servant to the gospel I mean, I don't know that I can lay hands on the sick. I don't know that I can, you know, uh, hear from the Lord and deliver a prophetic word. But the fact is, if God's called you, he's going to enable you. Because, no, you can't do it on your own. You need the strength and goodness and kindness and power of the living God to be effective in your life. Okay, so let's keep reading. Verse 8. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, he sure felt that way because he, he persecuted the church. You remember? I mean, he, he, he gave his hearty approval to people being killed who he thought were um, being cultish to the Jewish faith. 
Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry. I mean, the cool thing that I always love, I always love to, to, to reflect that God wants his will to be plain to me. He's not trying to hide anything. He's not trying to trick me. He's not trying to dangle a carrot and then pull it away. He wants things to be clear. And so he goes to great extents to be plain. And so he wants it to be plain. The rich, the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So, this thing of being a servant to God is uh, is a wonderful opportunity. It's a wonderful call. And as we, as we stop and we try and think, okay, Lord, how do I join you on what you're doing? Because you're doing this. How do I join you on that? And he's going he's gonna to lay that out for us. Let's keep reading here. His intent, verse 10. Oh, this is a crazy cool verse. Hang on. His intent was that now, through the church... not individuals, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, the multiplicity of how God displays his wisdom, his power, his insight, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. I'm going to stop there. Are you telling me that the angels and demons had no clue this was about to happen? Yeah. They had no clue this was about to happen, that God was going to include the Gentiles to be able to receive his great power, his great promises. It's always been the Jewish people. So they kind of, the, the enemy of life kind of knew where to focus. And now you're saying everybody? So it was just revealed to these rulers in heavenly places, both angelic and demonic. They just came on the scene and said, oh my goodness, look at what just happened. They just found it out. Oh, and by the way, you're going to see that it's true because I invented this thing, says Jesus, called the church. And if you're going to have any wonder, I'm going to do it with power, with insight, with love. We're going to talk about that love in a second. I'm going to do things that are so crazy. I mean, this church, let's just take this one here at Ephesus. This church is made up of different races, but they normally don't get along. They're going to get along. They're made up of Gentile and Jewish Christians. They used to fight each other. What are they doing loving each other, caring for one, one another, sacrificially caring for one another? What are they doing? I mean, the, the church is going to be God's proof. I know that's scary, isn't it? The church is God's proof that all this is true. And so we are to be that. So yeah, it kind of scares us. But if you don't know, I mean, it's often said, you don't know what you don't know. How, how cool is that? Did you get that? You don't know what you don't know. 
So he's helping us know what the truth is. And so he's just revealing it. Everybody in the angelic realm and demonic realm is hearing this for the first time. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And the church is proving ground that you're going to know it is true. So let's keep reading here. Um, verse 11. Well, let's get a running start again. Verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished Past tense, it's done, it's happened, accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is all possible because of Jesus Christ. And the thing I'm trying to, there's so many things I'm trying to excite to you about, like I got excited about was um, this week in preparing this, is to realize that salvation alone is amazing. Salvation alone is exciting. But if you really realize that he made the two groups one, Jews and Gentiles, only then could you have access to the promises of Israel. Only then. And so you, these are incredible things. And God says, I'm going to show you angelic and demonic people. This is true because this thing called a truth, you're going to see it proven out. I mean, the church, you're going to see it proven out right here. So you and I are his proof. Kind of makes me want to step forward, step up, really do what God has called us to do. But again, I come back to the comment that he enables what he calls you to do. So picking it up in verse uh, 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Um, would it be accurate to say sometimes we're a little hesitant to approach God because we've looked at our own deficiencies? We've looked at our own sin. We looked at not what we are, but what we aren't. And we kind of feel embarrassed maybe a little ashamed to go before him. And that would all be true if we were trying to get to God by works. But our connection to God is by his grace. And so he allowed us through Jesus to be able to connect to him. And so there actually can be a freedom walking to the office of God, if it were like the President of the United States. There's a freedom to walk in there. And there's a confidence. I'm here because I'm part of the family. That's why I can walk in to your presence, God, because I'm part of your family. I may be a dirty part, and I need, I need to be freshly cleaned and receive the blood of Jesus to truly cover what just happened three hours and 12 minutes ago or whatever your situation is but you can have freedom you're part of the family and so verse 13 says i ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory i i know it's talking paul's talking about himself but sometimes i look in the mirror and i say um 
am I content to walk through sufferings in order to honor him? And am I content to walk through um, people saying derogatory things about me because of him? Am I content to be misunderstood? And so the point I'm trying to say, not is that you shouldn't try to be understood, but if you suffer, oh well. What a privilege that is. That's what Paul's saying. Oh, oh well. Hey, I get the privilege of suffer, suffering for you after what you've done for me. Yeah, I'm all in, God. And so then we come to this incredible prayer that Paul prays. Uh, he has an incredible prayer in chapter 1. We're going to read this incredible prayer in chapter uh, 3, which is verse 14 through 21. So let's just start peeling it away. Verse 14. Reason. For this reason that all these two groups came together. For the reason that God poured out his great grace by faith. And you get to be a part. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. So this is so incredible that Paul, like, finds himself kneeling, finds himself, I can't even stand up when I stop and I think about the goodness you just poured out on me and my buds here in Ephesus. I, ju I just can't get a hold of this. And so sometimes I, I ask myself, um, how good am I at kneeling my heart? You know, how good am I at coming before the king of the universe? And kneel, what is kneeling your heart? That's basically a sign of submission. Uh, you got my full attention, my full concentration. I'm kneeling my heart, just like I might kneel my physical knees. And so I think there is an aspect of walking successfully with the Lord that has to do with um, kneeling our hearts. Kneeling, our, you know, if you want to kneel your knees, good. But kneeling our hearts so that we can be the full recipients of his grace, kindness, and insight and wisdom that he wants to pour out so that we can, we can really serve him. So out of awe of him, out of the magnitude of what he just did, this gift of salvation, this gift of letting us be a part of Israel's promises. These are just incredible things. Verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, I wonder how rich God is. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. With power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay. Paul is praying for this church, just like you should pray for each other, just like I pray for you, that you would be strengthened out of the riches of God. I mean, that's like a pretty elaborate statement. With power by his spirit. And by the way, instead of it coming on you, look where it's happening. It's rising within you. The spirit within your inner being. The Lord wants to, uh, or the Lord did, deposit his Holy Spirit into you. 
And that spirit in you, it's like a rise of strength that you wouldn't ordinarily have from inside you. That's what he wants to do. And we could go into a whole lot of other things of, you know, uh, you know, yes, it's cool that we get to be in this really nice building, but he is in here. His Holy Spirit resides in you. He calls that his new temple, not this. And so inside, he intends to strengthen you from within. He will strengthen you with power from his Holy Spirit inside you. I mean, that, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing. Let's keep going. This is exciting stuff. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Again, I interrupt. Um, dwell. Dwell means at home. You're at home. That, that Jesus may be at home inside you. And when I'm at home, I do what I want to do. When I'm at home, I put things where I want to put them. If I pick them up here and I put them down over here, I can do that. It's my home. If God wants to rearrange a few things in your life for the better, because I guess he's always good and always right, correct? So if he wants to rearrange things inside me and I'm open to that because he's dwelling here, then cool things get to happen. And so he's, Paul is writing that he really wants that uh, dwelling to happen inside of people, that they may dwell. So pick up again on 17. So the Christ may dwell in your hearts. That's the seat of your desires, not just your mind in your hearts with faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of god so many things in that and i just really want to break a few of them out we talked about the dwelling area but that what what place does love play in your life and in Freedom Fellowship Church? You know, it's supposed to be the place of stability. That's what happens when something's rooted, right? It's a place of stability. It's a place of nourishment or at least refreshment. It's a place um, where the soil is allowing you to grow, to change, to be different, to get the nourishment you need to do what you need to do. By the grace of God. So, so, yes, this is what we're supposed to do. Love is supposed to have that place in us. Love is, remember that scripture that says Lover, love covers a multitude of sins? You know, we, we, we can offend one another and hopefully we let it go. Uh, we apologize. We confess to one another. We ask for repentance. Hopefully we do that in our families, our friendships, our church. But love is the thing that is going to be highly unusual in this church at Ephesus. And I pray at freedom. Love is, a, um, is an evidence that something's happening that is supernatural. Because these people that are so different, how in the world do they love one another? Uh, maybe I can have them get along with one another. But how do they love one another? 
And that's what we are called to. Now, that, the next thing was really interesting to me. It says, love surpasses knowledge. Most people would not get that. It's all about education. Go to college, get your degree, have great knowledge. You can do whatever you want. And yet, Paul says here to the church at Ephesus that if we're going to be who God's called us to be, that we need to realize love is a bigger deal than knowledge. Knowledge is good. I think you should get knowledge, especially knowledge of the word. But love is going to fill in the gaps where knowledge is limited. I mean, if knowledge would change things, wouldn't we all be different? I would. <laughs> but knowledge alone doesn't do it. And so verse 18 speaks to being able to grasp to the measure um, of what God really wants to show um, that we are to grasp all that the Lord wants to pour out his love. So Noah, where's Noah? Noah, can you um, come up here? I want you to measure something. Very small. Just set it right here. Okay, very small. Um, have a seat. See, I have a bunch of sand on the top of this black top. And here's some tweezers. And I want you to count how many granules of sand are there. Okay? It may take a while, but just move them around and just count them for me. You know, um, it's hard to grasp exactly how much love God has for us. And what he's looking for in a church, namely Freedom Fellowship. I can't control the church at Ephesus. I can't say anything about the church down the street. But for usins, <laughs> we can be that people of love. And so Noah's going to carefully count how many of these different sand granules there are. It's as if each piece of sand was an investment by God in your life or in our church. And so we ought to stop and, and think about how much God loves us. And so each one of these sand granules that he's counting is going to represent an expression of God's love. So I'll just go on while he's uh, counting, okay? Or let me, yeah, right. Um, so, uh, so let, let me just run through again, get a running start, Ephesians 17, 19. We just did that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So this, we're supposed to be filled to the fullness. The measure is the fullness of God. How much is God can God do to the fullness of God is the call that we can actually see the fullness of the Holy Spirit how many did you finish so did you finish okay all right okay Logan where's Logan Logan um, I talked to you about uh, what you're going to do could you go ahead and start on that so Ephesians 
3, 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able, I want you to follow this. Now to him who is able, speaking of Jesus, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. God is able to do immeasurably. immeasurably more than all we can ask or think. Are you done yet? You're not serious, right? Are, 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 are you done yet? I'm not doing that. Are, are, are you done? No, I'm not doing that good. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, uh, this one, yeah, I'm done, but I'm not doing that. You're not doing that? No. How, how long could that possibly take? At least like a minute or two. Or two. <laughs> Thank you, Noah. Immeasurably. Thanks, guys. Immeasurably. I mean, I doubt he could count that in all day. I mean, sand granules. Immeasurably more. And so my question to you is this. Will you believe this year, 2022, that God wants to do something in you and the church that is immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine? I bet y'all could ask a lot of God. How many of y'all could ask something big? Yeah? How many of you can imagine, turn your imagination loose? You know, God created an imagination. It's not a bad thing. I mean... And imagine what could happen. Immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. You know, as I stop and I think about what God has planned for us here at Freedom, I, I, I see immeasurably. I see immeasurably in the love to one another. I see immeasurably in kindness to one another whenever, when the rest of the world is beating us up. I see immeasurably when we help one another when we really need it. I see immeasurably in different races coming together. I see immeasurably in different cultures coming together at Freedom. I see immeasurably on people that can share in the goodness and the power of God doing something. I, I can see that. I can sense it. I can feel it. I know it's going to happen. I don't wonder if it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen because his word is always right. And if I will just cooperate with his word, then we can walk into that. Guess what? Same with you. If we will just cooperate with his word, we can be part of the immeasurable. And that's what God wants. Immeasurable in his favor. Immeasurable in his plan for your life. Immeasurable in what he wants to do to the max. Why live a settled-for life? I've done that before. 
I don't really recommend it, although we most, do, most of us get stuck in the normalcies of life. But we don't have to be. We serve a God who knows no limits. We serve a God who is always good. Do you realize God did not have to be good? He just had to be God. Think of any ruler. They don't have to be good. They just have to be in charge. God did not have to be good, but he is. He's the epitome of good. He's the epitome of love. He's the epitome of all knowledge. He knows how it all integrates, fits together. So, yes, we have an individual responsibility to cooperate with God. Nobody's making you do anything. But Paul is writing about a mysterious group that has never been happened before in planet Earth. That Jews and Gentiles who fight, rich and poor, free and slave, different ages, they all came together and got along in love and blew up this world with the goodness of the gospel of God. And that's what our call is. That's what our call is. Let's pray. Holy Father, we call you holy because you are unique in all ways. We call you good because you're good without a spot. We say that you are the God of immeasurability. No one can measure your goodness, your power, the perfection of your plan, your strategies, your methodology, your timing that we don't get but you know is right. God, we come before you at Freedom Fellowship Church and we, we say, we are yours. We are yours. This place is yours. Our hearts are yours. We kneel our hearts before you so that we can join you in what you do, so that we can walk into the immeasurability of the future you've called us to be in. So God, God there has been a lot of settle for going on in our church in our families and in us individually and so we say father at the end of this first month where you have brought us from teaching us about hope and teaching us about how to engage with you in prayer and you've now brought us to the point of community to be a mysterious group that the people of this Central Florida region will look and say, there really must be a God because look how they live together. Father, we pray that that's our testimony to you. You've done so much for us. We want to come back, Lord, out of gratitude of our heart and raise a testimony of your goodness and of your power and of your might. Thank you, Father, for your great power. Thank you for your might. Thank you for your interventions and things we could not even believe. We thank you for a future that you have for us. I want to share something with you. Christiana, would you come up, please? Come on, don't be shy. 
We're talking about the God of immeasurability. Christiana had, uh, with her and Toyo, had an intervention of God. And so um, I'm going to, you're going to talk. You can hold it. You want me to hold it? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what's going on with Toyo. What, what's, what was the problem? Hearts. He has he, a heart problem. He has a heart problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, he has been sick for like five years. Five years sick. Mm -hmm. And then on the seventh of this month, we went to the hospital for checkup. And then the doctors told us that the heart is still weak. <sighs> So he has to, he, he was, the only way to fix him was to have a surgery. Yes. And then we went back. We had an appointment on the 26th of this month for the surgery. And then on getting there, the doctor couldn't find anything again. So he gets there this week, mm -hmm. and the doctor can't find anything to do surgery on the heart. That's amazing. Thank you. You know, we serve a God of that, that deals with impossibilities. We call them impossibilities, and he calls them, that's no sweat. I made his body. I sustain his body. That's our immeasurable, immeasurable God. That was this week. This week. Go in to do the surgery. That's our God. And so, as we turn our hearts to prayer, I'm just going to ask that you would say, God, I'm all in to being a part of the Church of Freedom related to, forget the Church of Freedom, to be the church that you've called in Ephesus. I want to be in that church where I get along with people different than me, and I trust them and I help them. And they help me. And we're a sign that the gospel is true. The church is the sign, the proof, the evidence that the gospel is 100% true. So, Father God, we just come right now. And I just ask that you would hear uh, um, the hearts bowing before you. That you would see in the spirit of people desiring to kneel before you. A people desiring for church to look like what you had intended it to be as an evidence to the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. And just like we heard, Father, from Christiana today about the amazing work you did in Toyo, that, Lord, your kindness and your power connect it. God, we want this church to be that connecting point for you. So, God, we humbly submit our lives to you, saying we want to cooperate with you to be assigned to Central Florida. It's our heart to be your proof that your word is true. And so, Father, in a fresh way, we collectively dedicate ourselves as a church and as individuals to your plan of showing Central Florida what a gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. We want to be that people, God. 
We want to be that people that you smile at when you look down and that you say they're, they're, they're trusting me in faith. They're laying hands on the sick and people are getting recovered. They're helping the helpless and bringing hope to the hopeless. They're feeding the poor. They're helping each other with their children. They're caring by confronting. They're forgiving and letting go of offenses because I let go of their offenses through my son. Father, may we mimic what you've called us to be. What you, Lord Jesus, lived in front of us. So, Lord, we just, uh, we raise our hearts to you. We say thank you for including us in your salvation. Thank you for including us in the promises you made to Israel. Thank you that we can look at those amazing promises. And because you adopted us, we can do those things too. We can embrace those things too. And so if you have been listening to me share and you would say, I don't have that connection with God. How, do you, how can I do something that I'm not connected with this living God? I just ask the entire group here in this room to, to pray with me, to repeat after me. Some of you would be the first time, some of you would be the 500th time. But let's declare the truth of the gospel. Pray after me, please. Father God, I come humbly to you. I need forgiveness for my sins. And you provided a way through Jesus. Through his death and resurrection. I believe he died for my sins. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. That he might be the leader of my life. Thank you. For your great salvation. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well if that was the first time that you prayed that prayer. Um, come up and tell me or. Pastor Adam or Pastor Stan who will be up here. And let, let us give you some next steps. Because, because this is an important decision. And if some of you have some needs that you need a Toyo experience. Where God intervenes for you and you're stuck. We would love to pray for you too. We'll be glad to pray for you at the same time. So uh, thank you for coming. We do have our fifth Sunday gathering of fellowship. Um, we had mercy on you. We didn't do it outside at the pavilion because you'd freeze. So we moved it inside into the fellowship hall. We have lots of food. So I don't care if you brought food or not. Come. We're going to have a great time. And um, there are other instructions you want to give? Okay. All right. Yeah, we got plenty of food out back. Out there.